All right, well, we're there in Isaiah 26, and um, I, I want to warn you. I don't know if warn is the right word, but I want to explain to you. Tonight, we're not, we're not going to go verse by verse through Isaiah 26, and uh, oftentimes I like to do that when we're preaching through books of the Bible, but uh, a lot of the stuff in Isaiah 26 is a little repetitive in regards to the end times prophecy and things that we've been seeing already. And there's a truth in Isaiah 26 that I kind of want to focus on, and uh, we're going to look at a few different references in Isaiah 26, but I want you to just kind of follow with me. So it might feel more like a, a Sunday morning service, I guess, uh, in the fact that we're just kind of dealing with one truth than, than going verse by verse through the chapter. But I want you to notice in verse 3, there's a, a very interesting verse, kind of famous verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, the Bible says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. In this verse here, uh, Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is giving a promise of peace. He says, speaking to God, he says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. If you skip down to verse number 12, notice what he says in Isaiah 26, in verse 12. He says, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. So here we see that God promises that he can keep us in perfect peace, or that he can ordain for us, and that word ordain means to order or to, to deliver on our behalf uh, peace for us. Now, here's what you got to understand. Most people, well, let me give you this. The definition of the word peace is this, freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility. The, the idea of peace is that there's no problems. If you're at peace, then there's nobody to fight, there's nobody to argue with, there's no, one, uh, there, there's no issues there. And most of us would want to be able to say that we have a peaceful life. But this is how we normally think of a peaceful life. We think of life as, uh, that is a peaceful life, as a life that is carefree, that does not have any troubles, that does not have any problems, that does not have any issues. If I, if I don't have to worry about something, if I don't have to, you know, stay up late thinking about my finances or thinking about, you know, what my children are doing with their lives or thinking about my career or whatever it is, it, then, then I would consider having a life that is a peaceful life. Now, here's the problem with that type of peace. Most people are desiring a carefree life. Most people would say, if you ask most people, even tonight and here in this room, if we were to take a, a vote and say who, who would want to have a peaceful life, I think we would probably all raise our hands and say, I want a life of peace. I want a life that is free from trouble, that is free from fighting, that is free from arguments, that is free from wars, that is free from things that would cause me distress. Now, here's the problem with that way of thinking. Most of us consider a peaceful life a life that has no issues. And therefore, we believe that if I could just resolve all the problems outside of me, then that would produce in me peace. See, the, the problem is that we usually think, if I can just get all my ducks in a row, if I could just get, you know, I've got this problem in my marriage, I've got this problem with my children, I've got this issue with my finances, if I can just turn the corner financially, if I could just get that raise, or if I could just move to that house, or if I could just do that, you know, next thing, then I know once I did that, then I'll be happy. Once I do that, then I'll be content. Once I do that, then I'll have peace. Once I do that, then, then I know things are going to get better. But the problem with that is this, your peace is connected to something outside of you. And when your peace is connected to 
your troubles being resolved, to a job that you're going to get, or to something that's going to happen in your life, the problem with that is that that peace will always be fleeting. Because you got to understand this. People think, you know, uh, if I could have power, if I could have fame, if I could have fortune, uh, then those things would bring peace to my life. But here's what you got to understand. Those things do not last. They are temporary. Uh, you're there in Isaiah 26. Look down at verse number 5. Notice what God says. And I just want to point this out to you because it's, it's just a theme in the book of Isaiah. Every single chapter he talks about this. Isaiah 26 and verse 5 he says, For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city. He layeth it low, he layeth it low, even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. So you could say, well, if I could just get money, if I could just get power, if I can just get that authority, if I could just get that position, if I could just get those things, I know that my life would be better if I could just, you know, accomplish these things. But here's what you got to understand. If your peace, if, you, if, if your peace and your contentment is connected to something outside of you, that could be taken away, and very well that could be taken away by God himself. Your circumstances do not make you. Someone said circumstances don't make you. They simply reveal who you really are. Notice verse 10, Isaiah 26. Notice what he says. He says, let, let favor be showed to the wicked. Now, now, here's what he's saying. If you take a wicked person and you show them favor, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, you take a wicked person and you put them in the land of uprightness. Uprightness means people who do right, people who are not crooked, people who are not lying. You say you take a wicked person and you put them in the land of uprightness. Uh, uprightness uh, will he? The Bible says, "In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly." Do you see that? You can take a wicked person and put them around a bunch of good people, and in that land of uprightness, he's still going to be unjust, he's still going to be wicked, he's still going to do wrong. And here's the thing, you could take a righteous person, someone with integrity, someone that would not lie, someone that would not steal, and put them a bunch of, around a bunch of thieves, and they're probably still going to be, you know, who they are, because you got to understand this, your circumstances don't change you. You think, if I can just get my circumstances right, if I can get, my, you know, if I just live in the right neighborhood and get the right job and do these things, if I could change my exterior, it would provide peace in my heart. But the Bible says that those things are fleeting. They are temporary. And if your peace is connected to those things, you'll always be chasing peace. Now, keep your finger there in Isaiah 26, because obviously that's the passage for tonight. But go with me to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. And Jesus actually talked a lot about this idea of peace. And I want you to notice what he said. John chapter 14 and verse number 27. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Notice what Jesus says. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14 and verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Now notice what Jesus said. Not as the world giveth. So here's what Jesus is saying. I give peace and the world gives peace. But here's what he said about his peace. He said, my peace is not the same peace as the peace that the world giveth. Here's why. The peace that the world gives you is temporary. The peace that the world gives you will not last for eternity. The peace that the world gives you will eventually run out, will eventually go away. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now here's what you need to understand. The Bible teaches that God is the source and Jesus Christ is the source of our peace. Notice what he said, peace I leave with you, my peace 
I give unto you. Now go back to Isaiah 26 just real quickly. Keep your finger there in, in John because um, we're, we're, we're going to come right back to it. And I want to show you another passage there. But let me show you something in Isaiah. Isaiah 26. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. God is the source of peace. God is the source of not just peace, but he is the source of what is referred to as perfect peace, complete peace, peace that is uh, completely what you need. Isaiah 26 and verse 12, look at what it says. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. So if you're going to have peace in your life, where's it going to come from? Jesus Christ, God, the Lord. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, we're not going to look at all these passages, but I know some of you like to take notes. You, you can write these references down. The word peace is often associated with God. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, don't turn there, but in Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. In Romans 15 and verse 33, and Romans 16 and verse 20, and Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, and Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, God is referred to as the God of peace. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, He's referred to as the Lord of peace. In Hebrews 7.2, Jesus is referred to as the King of peace. So you see that God is the one, in his titles, he's often referred to as the one who is the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace, the Lord of Peace, the King of Peace. Why? Because he is the one that gives true peace. He's the one that can give you lasting peace. He's the one that can give you peace, not as the world giveth. He'll give you peace that will last. Now, here's what you got to understand. Go, go back to Isaiah 26 just real quickly. Oh, I'm sorry, you're already there. But look at verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. The peace that God gives will be based on your not exterior, you know, how things are happening outside of you, but it's based on your inward relationship with God. Notice verse 3. That will keep him in perfect peace. Notice what he says. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Again, verse 12. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought, notice this phrase, all our works in us. See, the peace that we get comes, when it comes from God, it's because our minds are stayed on him, is because the work that he does in us. And here's what you got to understand. The secret to God's peace is this. And go, go back to John. Did I tell you to keep your place there? I think I did, right? Go back to John. Look at verse number 16. And here's what I want you to understand. The world says this, and this is the philosophy that we're given from the world, and, and I have this philosophy, and you have this philosophy, and we all think, from little kids, we think, if I could just get this, then I would be happy. If I could get this, uh, just this one thing, then I would have peace. If I could turn around, find, you know, just turn that corner financially, get that other job I'm trying to get, get that, you know, if I could just, you know, marry this one person, or if I could just, you know, have these many kids, if I could just ha get this house, if I just go on that vacation, I just know if this happened, I would have peace. But here's the problem. As soon as you get that, you'll realize that then didn't really give you peace. And as soon as you get that, then you'll look up and there'll be something else you want. And that peace, you're, it's always fleeting. You're always chasing after it. Now notice what the Bible says, John 16, verse 33. Jesus said this, These things I have spoken unto you. Now notice what he says. That in me ye might have peace. Now the peace that we want 
the peace that is perfect, the peace that will last, is in Christ. Now notice this. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Here's what you got to understand. The secret to God's peace is realizing that you're always going to have troubles. You understand that? You're always going to have tribulation. There's always going to be difficulties. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be issues. And notice, he did not promise. God did not promise that I will take your problems away. He did not say, I'm going to make you win the lottery, and I'm going to fix your marriage problems, and I'm going to make your kids behave, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix your boss who keeps picking on you, and I'm going to make sure, you know, your neighbor who, who plays that music and keeps you up and you'd like to move. You know, uh, He didn't say he's going to take those things away. He says that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but he says, says, in me, you can have peace. We've got to understand this. When God gives us peace, he never promised to take the problems away. He only promised to help us work through those problems. As you read the Bible, you'll see this. Remember Daniel? Got thrown in the lion's den. Now, did God take the lions away? Did God take the den away? Did God make it so that Daniel didn't have to go through that? No, God didn't take the lions away, but God sent an angel to help Daniel go through that time in the lion's den. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got, got thrown into the fiery furnace. Did God take the furnace away? Did God take the fire away? Did God keep them from getting thrown in there? No, but when they got thrown in there, remember, a fourth person appeared, and Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fire, and he said, hey, that, that looks like the Son of God. Because, see, God does not promise to take away our problems. God only promises to give us peace even through the problems, even through the tribulation. Go back to Isaiah 26, look at verse 8. Isaiah 26, verse 8. What does that mean then? What does it mean to have your mind stayed on the Lord? What does it mean to to have your your thoughts on Him? And the idea there is that our focus should be on the things of God. Isaiah 26, look at verse 8. Yea, in the way of judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. Now notice what he says here. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Verse 9. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. You know the Bible teaches that we ought to be seeking God, our desire, the desire of our soul. The thing that gets us up early in the morning, the thing that we have a desire for, it ought to be to develop a relationship with God. To have our mind stayed on Him. Go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. We're going to look at a lot of verses about this and I just kind of want you to see this from Scripture. Uh, and we'll, we'll try to bring it all together here at the end. Matthew 22, look at verse number 37. Let me ask you this. What is your desire? What do you desire? What gets you up in the morning? Is it God or just work? Is it God? See, you know, we, we're excited. You know, we, we don't like to get up early in the morning unless you're going to go on a trip, right? You ever been there? You're going to go on a vacation, so you're just up early. Why? Because you're excited. Are we ever that excited about the things of God? Wherever that excited, is there a desire? Now, here's the thing. You say, well, I don't have that desire. You ought to pray to God that he would give you that desire. You ought to pray that your mind would be stayed on him. Are you there in Matthew 22? Look at verse 37. I just want you to see what God expects from us. Matthew 22, in verse 37, the Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord with uh, the Lord thy God. Notice, with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and I don't want, I don't want you to miss this, and with all thy mind. 
God expects our mind to be wholly focused on Him. Go to Romans. You're there in Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans. Romans chapter number 12. These are well-known verses. You've seen them before. Romans chapter number 12. Look at verse number 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter number 12. And look at verse number 1. Romans chapter number 12. And look at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, notice, by the renewing of your mind. Do you see that? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You're there in Romans. Just flip a few pages over. Pass 1 Corinthians into 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. This is the, we were looking at these passages this morning. We didn't look at this verse specifically, but it's in the same context of what we were talking about this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Remember, we were talking about pulling down those strongholds that Satan and, and we've allowed the flesh to make in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's a little more insight into how you do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says this, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And notice this, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, our minds begin to wander. And our minds begin to think about things. And our minds begin, well, I wonder what, what if I did this? And what if I didn't do that? And what if I went here? And what if I, but here's what you got to understand. Our minds must be stayed on God. If you want the peace of God, if you want the peace that is perfect, that never leaves, that doesn't forsake you, if you want that peace, we must get to the place where we are disciplined enough to bring into captivity every thought so that our minds can be renewed. So that we can love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Go to Philippians. You're there in 2 Corinthians. Uh, just go past Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And when you get to Philippians, keep, keep your finger there. We're going to look at one verse. We're going to go to Psalms and we're going to come back to Philippians. I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but uh, we can do it quickly. Philippians chapter number 2. Notice verse 5. The Bible says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you can have the mind of Christ? The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, keep your finger there in Philippians, because we're going to come right back to it. But go with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 55 should be in the center of your Bible. Psalm 55. I just want you to notice this idea of keeping your mind stayed on God. And let me just ask you this. What is your mind on? What do you think about? What do you desire? What is it that you daydream about? What is it that your mind, you, you think, are your, are your thoughts on the things of God? Because here's what happens. We daydream and we desire and we think, and here's what we think. If I could just make a little more money, or if I could just drive that one car, or if I could just live in that house, or if I could just have this, or if I could just have that. And what we should be thinking is this. What does God want for my life? What does God desire for me to do today? What does God want me to do today? And here's what happens. When your mind is stayed on God, you'll begin to experience something that you may have never experienced before, and it's called peace. Because peace is not associated to what I have. Peace is not associated to how much money is in my 401k. 
Peace is not associated to what kind of vehicle I drive. Peace is associated to my mind being renewed daily in the things of God. Are you there in Psalm 55? Look at verse 17. Notice what the psalmist said. Psalm 55, this is similar to what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, I'll desire you in the night. He said, I'll get up early. Psalm 55, verse 17 says this, Evening and morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Here's what you got to understand. This thing about God is not something we do on Sundays. It should be something we do every day. See, it's not, it's not Sunday's my God day, and then Monday through Saturday, it's just kind of my life, and that's my time, and I do what I want, and then on Sunday, I just kind of, you know, acknowledge God. No, Monday's about God, and Tuesday's about God, and Wednesday's about God, and Thursday and Friday, Saturday. Every day ought to be about God. Every hour of the day, the psalmist says, evening, morning, and noon, I will pray, I will cry aloud, I will acknowledge God in my mind and in my thoughts. I Go to Psalm 37. Look at verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. See, here's what we got to understand. We've got to get to the place where we begin to enjoy God. See, the problem we have is this. We think that God is this religious rule system. And if I just kind of have this list of things I can do and things I shouldn't do, and if I can just check all those off, and if I can check, you know, uh, good on these and bad on those, then God will be happy. But you got to understand this. God desires a relationship with you. God desires to hear from you. Psalm 37 and verse 4, notice what the Bible says. Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You say, well, I have desires. But here's the thing. When you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, in the word of God, in the things of God, your desires will begin to change. And he can give you those desires that stem from delighting yourself in the Lord. Go, to, go back to Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 6. It's a, it's a very simple thought, I understand, but I, I, I want you to grasp this because I, I think that we struggle with this, especially in the country that we live and in the time that we live. There's so many things that can capture our attention. Philippians chapter 4 kind of brings all these things together, and notice you'll, you'll see them. Philippians chapter 4, look at verse number 6. Notice what Paul says. He says, be careful for nothing. Now, what he's saying there is to not care or to not worry about things. He says, he says he, he, now, he's not saying being irresponsible. Obviously, you, you know, pay your bills and go to work and do all those things. But what he's saying is don't, don't overemphasize the, those things and, and worry about and stay up thinking about those things. He says, be careful for nothing. Now, here's what he's saying. Don't worry about the things outside of you. Now, do your best that you can to deal with those issues and do what you can. But once you've done all you can do, then he says, don't worry about it. He says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with uh, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here's what he's saying. He says, do everything you can do. Give the rest to God. He said, don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Don't stay up all night thinking about it. He said, be careful for nothing. He said, you know, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He says, pray about it. Ask God to help you. When, when God leads you and directs you, do the best that you can do. But once you've given it to God, he says, notice verse 7. When you've done that, the Bible says, and the peace of God. Do you see that? Which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. Now, look, it's not, it's not a coincidence that he references things outside of you. Be careful for nothing. He references the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. And then he talks about the fact that it'll keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Same thing that Isaiah was saying. If your mind is stayed on the Lord, if you trust in the Lord, he'll give you perfect peace. Look at verse number 8, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, notice this, think on these things. Notice he tells you, be specific about the things that you think about. He said, be specific about your thoughts. Now notice, it's just it's the same thing. Verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So he says, you control your thought life and you have peace. You control the things you think about and you have peace. You stop caring about, you stop worrying, you do the best you can, you take it to God, and then God will bring that, that peace, he'll, that passive all understanding. And then he says, think about these things. And he gives you a list. He says, I want you to think about all these different things. And then he says, when you think about that, the God of peace shall be with you. See, the peace in your heart is not connected to the things outside of you, but it is connected to this thing inside of you. And how you think and what you allow your thoughts to go to and what you allow your mind to wander to. Look at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again when you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Again, he's saying it's not about the out exterior. It's not about, he's like, he's like I, don't, I don't desire anything. I don't want. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be. And notice this word, content. You know what the word content means? It means satisfied. It means I'm not in need of anything. And when you find yourself in a place of contentment, you know what you find yourself in a place of peace. Now, here's what Paul said. He said, you know what I learned? He said that it doesn't matter what state I am. I can be content if I learn to control my thoughts and my mind. If I desire God, if I desire the things of God, my world can be falling apart. My job can be falling apart. My finances can be, my health can be falling apart. Things outside of me may not be going the way I want them to, but they will not affect the way I feel inside because the way I feel inside is not dependent on the things outside of me, but it is dependent on my mind being stayed on the Lord. So my question for you is this. What do you think about? What do you worry about? What do you stay up at night? You know, saying, if I could just got this, or if I could just do that. It's good to have goals, and it's good to have plans, and it's good to, to do those things and bring it to God. But let me tell you something. Once you've done all you can do, give it to God, and then stop worrying about it, and just focus on what can I do to please God. It'll bring you peace. You won't, you won't be stressed out. You won't have this pressure. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I'm going to show you something in 2 Corinthians, and then we're going to go back to Isaiah, and then we'll go back to 2 Corinthians, and, uh, and, and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. It's not, not, a, not a difficult concept, but we need to understand there, there's many unhappy Christians 
because they're waiting for something to happen to them. They're waiting to get something. They're waiting. And, and here's the thing. As soon as you get it, as soon as you have it, as soon well, if I could just divorce this one person and marry this, I just know if I married this person, look, as soon as you marry that person, you'll realize, oh, uh, if I could just get that one over there. And it's always fleeting because peace never comes from the outside. It always comes from the inside. Second Corinthians chapter number four. Second Corinthians chapter four, look at verse eight. Notice what Paul said. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it were written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Look at verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I've been in trouble. And he said, I got trouble on every side. He said, I'm distressed. He said, I'm, I'm persecuted. He said, I'm perplexed. He said, I, I, I've gone through a lot. But here's what he says. I have this hope that he who resurrected the Lord Jesus Christ is also going to resurrect me. See, here's what you got to understand. And keep your finger there in, in 2 Corinthians. But go, go, to, go back to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. Here's what you got to understand. If you are saved. Now, if you're not saved, I'm not talking to you. But if you are saved. Do you understand that the, the, the best day of an unbeliever can still not match the worst day of a believer? Because at the end of this whole thing called life, the unbeliever will die and go to hell and you will go to heaven. Amen. You will be resurrected. God will give you a new body. And Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah 26. Look at verse number 14. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number 19. Isaiah 26, verse number 19. Um, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19, notice what he says. He references the resurrection. Isaiah 26 and verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my body, shall they arise. Do you see that? Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Referring a reference there from Isaiah to the resurrection. Go back to 2 Corinthians. Chapter number 4. Now I want you to notice the peace that Paul has. Let's read uh, verses 8 uh, and, and 9 again. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Skip down to verse number 15. Notice what he says. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse uh, 16. For which cause we faint not. Now notice this. But though our outward man perish. What we were kind of talking about this morning. The flesh, the outward man versus the inward man. Notice verse 16. For which cause we faint not. He said, we, we have all these problems. We have all these issues. I mean, everywhere Paul went, you know, he's getting stoned and beaten and thrown in jail and persecuted. People were against him. People did not like him. He says, uh, for which cause we faint not, verse 16, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And here's what Paul was saying. My outward man, man he's falling apart. 
But my inward man, every day, he's renewed. Because every day, I think on these things. I ask for the mind of Christ. I focus on the things of God. And I realize that no matter what happens, no matter what I go through, no matter what's going on with my finances, with my children, with my marriage, with my friends, with just in life, no matter what's happened on the outside, my peace and my joy and my contentment is not focused on those things. But it is based on the new man, the inward man, being renewed day by day. There's a story of an old preacher, Dr. Jack Hiles. Some of you know him. He's, well, you know of him. He's dead. And there's a story that uh, his buildings there, First Baptist Church of Hammond, where he was a pastor, his buildings, I think someone had set them on fire. Uh, an arson had, had, had burnt them down. And it happened when he was on a trip. He was preaching somewhere, and he got on a flight and came back to Hammond when he heard about it. And they held a meeting there for the church. It was a big church. And they all kind of got together and just to let people know what happened. And, you know, they had to make all these plans about where they're going to meet and hold their different ministries and things that they did. And at this meeting, it said that uh, the, the mood was just kind of somber. People were just kind of sad and discouraged that someone would set their buildings on fire. I mean, could you, think, could you imagine that if we had spent money and time and effort to build a building and then someone burned it down, you know? Um, and they were just kind of sad. And it's said that Jack Hiles walked into that meeting and he, he walked straight up to the pulpit and he, he, he approached the mic and everybody's eyes were kind of on him. And he began to sing this song, a song that we used to sing when I was a kid. He began to sing, Everything's all right in my father's house. In my father's house, in my father's house. Everything's all right in my father's house where there's joy, joy, joy. And the crowd, the church people there, began to sing with him, Everything's all right in my father's house. And they all began to sing that. And you know, the truth of the matter is this. No matter what's going on in your life and what's going on on the outside, everything is all right in my Father's house. And God is still on his throne. And at the end of the day, no matter, you say, well, you don't understand. I mean, I'm going to go into bankruptcy. At the end of the day, we win. At the end of the day, we get resurrected. So don't waste your life caring about the things of this world. When they're just going to get burnt up, they're just going to go away. And the first thousand years in heaven, you won't even think about it. You won't even remember them. Because here's the thing. Peace, perfect peace, is not connected to someone or something outside of you. But it is connected to your relationship with your Heavenly Father. So the question I have for you is this. What do you think about? What are your minds? What's your mind on? What keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? Is it worth it? Because the Bible says that he will give perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed on him. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.